Welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad here with a hopefully someday in the very near future world record setting guest, Scotty Moore of the BS Network. Scotty, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much because I want to be nerdy and talk about things and you seem like the nerdiest, most like in-depth. I'm a very over-analytical human and I was like, oh, this is good. I can analyze on this one. You sure can. So uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I take no offense to the nerdy uh, description. Um, you know, my nerddom spans multiple topics. So I, I have a feeling we're gonna be able to go deep on at least one in particular, but who knows where we're gonna, we're gonna go today. So but Scotty, thank you much, so much for joining the show. Um, just to kind of give some background on what's going on for you. So um, I heard about your world record setting attempt. You are trying to set the record for number of podcast appearances in a calendar year, correct? Yes. Uh, I already have about six weekly shows. So I was like, well, right. add all that together. That'll get me somewhere. And then I realized like, oh, wait a minute. So if someone does a daily podcast, they'll have yeah. 365. So they'll be beating me by a little bit. So then I was like, let me on your show. Everyone, let me on. And I'm, I'm sure you've had a lot of response to that request. Yes. I've awesome. done shows that I never thought I, I did a finance show and I'm like, that's cool. not me. That's not me, but okay, <laughs> let's go. Yeah. Well, I think that that's, I think that's one of the reasons I reached out to you. I, I uh, very much admire um, you know, uh, creative attempts at, you know, doing something that you love. And obviously this is something that you love. And we're going to talk about something else that you love. Um, right after the break, we are going to go deep on wrestling. So if you are not a wrestling fan, don't worry, we are going to sort of go deep in a way where we'll bring it out to mental health issues as well. So, um, Scotty, thank you so much for joining us, but first a quick break from our sponsor. So, Scotty, here we are. We are, as you said, two uh, guys, nerdy guys who want to go deep on a topic. We literally just uh, an hour ago or so, we're trying to figure out exactly what we wanted to talk about. You mentioned some of the things you are passionate about. Um, and I, I can honestly say I am uh, interested in some of the subjects that you mentioned, but um, I am grateful that you are an expert, um, I think you would probably say, on the topic we're talking about today, which is wrestling. Yes, uh, wrestling has always been a big part of my life. In fact, going to, if we want to start deep, uh, I always say pro wrestling saved my life. Because oh, in, in, in high school, I feel like a lot of people reach that floundering state where you get into really bad, especially if you don't fit in that state of very depressed, very anxious. And a, a lot of people will find uh, negative outlooks for that. But like I had an ex-girlfriend, she loved Disney world and that pulled her out of her depression. For me, it was mm. pro wrestling uh, because for me, I was always, and this is going to come as a shock to anybody who knows me currently, but I was a very soft spoken, never really like, I remember distinctly having to do a book report once going up to the front of the uh, front of the room and freezing and staring at the teacher, oh, wow. the teacher being like, you're okay. Um, and pro wrestling pulled me out of that because it, 
really instilled this kind of fake it till you make it attitude as far as confidence goes because i had no confidence and then i remember seeing uh this guy the miz uh yes okay okay that's one that i know okay good (laughs) there you go and he is just the absolute biggest little dork in the world he was a bad guy at the time and he would come out he'd lose all the time he would get made fun of uh he would feel like an outsider literally and this is not a, a storyline in real life, real life. Miz, yeah, yeah yeah in real life when the miz joined the wwe since he was on like uh i think it was on the real world and yeah, stuff like that tv real world yeah they wouldn't let him change in the locker room he would wow. have to go outward like they would ban him and put him in like a hall closets and stuff Hmm. so he was definitely an outsider but he would still come on tv every single week despite losing despite all this and say i'm awesome i'm the greatest thing alive and i remember staring like how can this idiot believe this even though like all this evidence is around him and then a few months in he won the world heavyweight championship from one of the biggest names in pro wrestling at the time randy orton he beat the biggest name for the title and i went oh i guess all the bs he was spouting made sense to him and it kind of led to him getting success so through high school i kind of turned from a kid who was very depressed very uh, i'll say suicidal at points Mm. and it instead led me down this road of thinking like no i'm awesome I don't care what it takes. I'm awesome. And then I will prove that I'm awesome through yeah. uh, what at the time I was a theater kid. So it was like getting the best okay. roles, doing the biggest things. And so it really helped me come out of my shell wrestling did. And it really changes the way if you nerd out, it changes the way you look at the world and, and approach certain yeah. things. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you going deeper off the bat and, and I appreciate Thank you for your honesty and, and openness because I think, um, and I love the story that you started with the Miz, you know, Mike, um, is his last name like Mizioni or something like that? It, it's Mazanin. Like, he is Mike. Okay. I know it comes Mizzanin. from his last name. Um, yeah, I remember him actually on the real world, um, sort of acknowledging that this was a character that he put on to just kind of boost himself. And I think that that is so interesting from a mental health perspective. Um, because you, you talk to enough therapists and, and life coaches and things like that. And people will absolutely kind of use this as a, as a reference or, or, you know, pseudo advice where, you know, picture a superhero, picture someone who is able to do exactly the thing that you want to do. Yeah. And act as if you are them. Right. And the beauty so, of pro so, wrestling is it's not yeah. like, because in my head, I could easily be like, yeah, but that's a fictional character. It's not real. Pro wrestling right. is like, no, that's a dude. He really yep. looks like that. That's the body he walks around the earth in. Yeah. Right. So it's this embracing of, you know, uh, our, you know, in some ways are like our most intense personal qualities, not necessarily best or worst, but just like the thing that we like most want to embrace about ourselves, which is so interesting. Yeah, I, think, um, I, I will say yeah. I do think it's good as an exercise in the beginning, but don't hold too true to it because I certainly did for far too long and it led me down some bad paths and some like negative like, hmm. thinking that you're better than everybody and thinking okay. very egotistically for a while is kind of where I was at. Like I was lucky I went to a college with some very talented people and they very quickly shut me down and said, <laughs> you're not as good as you think you are. And at mm. first there was a depressive uh, instinct to it, but then 
it reminded me of wrestling once again and seeing guys who mm. would come out like the Miz come out and say, oh, you're not awesome. And having to look and say, well, what did he change? Oh, he ended up working hard. He ended up winning the right, right. matches and developing the right attitude and working his ass off to get where he wanted to be. And so that's what I ended up doing. Um, mm. I remember in college, I wanted to be a pro wrestler. So like, like that's part of where the big mindset for me comes from. But you were uh, back locked into it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to be a wrestler so bad. Like I lost a ton of weight, got as jacked as my little ginger frame could. <laughs> and uh, I remember thinking, well, since I want to be a wrestler, I'm not going to audition for plays. And mm. at first I felt like I was doing a service to everybody saying like, it, and it, it does come from a bit of an ego of like, you're supposed to be the actor. So you go do that. I'm a chill over here and do what I want. Almost um, as if after, you're giving them the opportunity. No, like, no, you can have it. I, I'm, I have more, more important or bigger things to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it also came from a conversation I had with ironically enough, my best friend, Blake, the guy who I started the BS network from, nice. uh, we went to college together and he and I auditioned for a play and I got a part and it was a, it was the smallest part of all time. At one point I had to be a tree. It was, <laughs> it was probably the worst play I've ever been in, but I remember getting cast in it. And then me and him sitting in our car, me being so excited. And he looked at me and he goes, you're not better than me. And oh, I went, wow. Yeah. Oh, and and then that's when it clicked. I'm like, no, I didn't need this experience. He needed this experience. Yeah. But I think it came from a place also of fear of because uh, like for the first year I got to college, I came in with that ego of like, oh, I can probably get all these. There was a role where you had to play eight different characters as the wow, same guy yeah. throughout the play. And I said, I could do that. That's <laughs> me and immediately got slapped down. And so I think through college, it was a mixture of uh, it was a mixture of me thinking outwardly, oh, I'm going to give this to them. And also fear of, oh, no, if I audition and I don't get it. I get proven that I'm not good. And so I stopped it. And then the only play um, we referred to, there were two types of plays. There were black box, black box plays, yep. which took place in a tiny black box theater. And then the main stage, which was of this course. beautiful <laughs> place. And like, um, like it was the same stage where they would have like real bands come and play or like Jeff sure. Goldblum did a speech there. One. <laughs> and so I went my, my senior year, I said, I can't get out without having done a main stage. I gotta and do the Goldblum got, stage. Yeah. Yeah, the Goldblum stage. And so I did the most pro wrestling thing ever, which is go in, get a role. I got a role. There were only three men cast in that play, and it was me and the two biggest names that we had in that theater department, right. the two most impressive wrestlers. And that woke my ass up very quickly to say, I have to outdo them. And so mm. I, it, it didn't come from a misplace. It did not come from a place of like, I'm awesome. So I'm going to outdo them. It came from a place of, I'm going to work my ass off so I can outdo them. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I think that I'm awesome mindset is good to get you dig you out in the beginning. But right. I think if you hold on to it, it leads down some negative paths which could go even darker as evidence through. And I know earlier we said we talk about it, but like if you look at a lot of the hashtag speaking out people that have come yep. out recently, I think it was people who got way too much into the mindset that they started believing, Oh, that I am that character. I can get away with yeah, anything. In their own ego. I can, yeah. 
like I I remember realizing the main consent of most pro wrestling is I deserve to be the champion. I deserve to have that belt around my waist. Mm-hmm. And if you won't give me the belt, I'll take it by force. And I said, oh, that's a really messed up mindset. You probably don't need to take that into real life. Right. So that that mindset serves you up until a point. So, so I guess if we're sort of applying this logic of, you know, faking it till you make it faking that, uh, or not necessarily faking it, but, but really believing it, right. Acting into this self-belief, how can people prevent that sort of ego inflation from taking over? Like what would be the check against it? With me. And I I think I said this because the other day, um, someone who I considered a very close personal friend in pro wrestling got outed through the speaking out movement and it killed me. And that's what made me go, I need to say something because I've been where these people have been. And if I didn't stop, it would have led me down those exact same dangerous paths that they went down. And so I, I looked at it and I realized like the way I had to look at it after a while is it's all a show. All of it, all of that ego is a show. At the end of the day, you have to remember there's still a person underneath there. You can't, like, I, I, if you want to go out to a bar, pretend you're a rock star, get drunk all night, smoke cigars, that's fine. But sure. the minute that starts interfering with other people and hurting other people, that's when problems happen. It's kind of like when it comes to, I've also had addiction problems throughout my entire life it comes down to that feeling of like, it's not in some cases it is, but it's not an addiction until it starts interfering with your life and starts interfering with people around you is when Mm -hmm. it becomes a real problem. Yep. Yeah. So it's so funny. This, this reminds me of um, a story and I'll have to pull it up. But my wife was talking to me about there's a therapist or a psychologist in, in, in LA who helps actors and actresses um, essentially come back to themselves after being in a very intense role. And yeah. this is a fairly new phenomenon, right? You see it um, sort of after the things like Heath Ledger, um, you know, where people kind of get lost in a role that they're playing and sometimes with disastrous consequences. And I have to imagine that this is a phenomenon that has probably not reached the wrestling world just yet, that these yeah. are real people, but their job is to be the most intense, confident version of themselves all the time. A very hyper masculine version too, yes. which is where yes. it gets super dangerous. But I think that's been a problem with acting for a while. I mean, if you look oh, back, sure. of at course, the, yeah. If you look back at the '90s, like uh, Jim Carrey playing uh, Andy mm. Kaufman, he yeah, yeah, slipped yeah. into that role so much that the people around him didn't want to be around him anymore because he was so deep in it. And the problem with pro wrestling, and I'm gonna specifically go after WWE, not sure. just like independent wrestling but if you look at vince mcmahon the owner of wwe he's one of the most hyper masculine assholes of all time and his favorite thing in the world is to see a guy keep his character and not break in real life one of my favorite wrestlers is a guy named chris jericho and Mm -hmm. in his book he was talking about like when i play a bad guy when i play heel i don't sign autographs for people and i will be mean to people in real life Uh, another guy uh, MJF, easily probably one of the worst bad guys in pro wrestling right now. He got called out during speaking out for being a bully. And mm. I think that was a moment of him not remembering at the end of the day, he is still a person and this is still a show. Uh, I mean, uh, and this goes back decades. If you look back in the 70s, 
uh, Ric Flair, probably one of the biggest names in all of professional wrestling. He wasn't just a character. He right. would like if he, he came on on TV and was like, ladies and gentlemen, after this, the nature boy is going down to the bar and he's got to drink out every single bottle they've got. He'd actually do that. He'd right. talk about flying on private jets. He would actually do all of that. And it led him down a, a very dangerous path where he ended up spending so much money. And even to this day, until recently, had trouble with alcohol and stuff like that. It's a matter of these guys, a lot of guys don't realize when to turn it off. And that's what leads to a lot of bad mental health situations and a lot of bad. That's why one of my favorite guys of all time is Edge, who I think might have been around during your time, but I don't know. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, But Edge, if you interview him, he'll be like, call me Adam. I am Adam. Oh, wow. Edge is a character, mm-hmm. and he very much makes that distinction. I am Adam. I am not Edge, and I think He's not that's the rated R superstar. Is is that a is that an appropriate reference? Yes, exactly. And okay, so that's okay, why okay. he's that's yeah. why I think he's yeah. done so well as yes, far as like mental yeah. health goes. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting um, because it does take to your earlier point you inflating your ego to be able to do this job in a lot of ways. But then when you're not doing the job to, you know, to really be successful as a, as a human, to be a good person, it requires you to, to a certain degree, deflate that ego. And I think your point you made about having a really good support system that can kind of either check you on that or, or who you will listen to. Cause I think part of the problem with the ego piece is if you get to that point where, as you said, you think you're awesome um, and you sort of wouldn't take anything from anybody, even your most trusted advisors, if they t- if they told you, hey, man, you got to tone it down or, hey, I think you were you were inappropriate to that person. Um, the likelihood that you might not listen to them becomes a problem. Yeah, because you it, you literally start living in a fantasy. Yeah. I mean, if you if you want to go into the hashtag speaking out stuff and like yeah, my, sure. experience, yeah, yeah. Yeah. my experience with it. I remember being in college and only dating freshmen because in my mindset at that time, it was, oh, the freshmen are new. They don't realize that I suck. They don't realize Mm. I have problems. They think, and especially when I was a senior, it's a matter of like, oh, they think I'm the big dog on campus. And so you start seeking out things to inflate your ego. You start seeking out things to take this fantasy that you're telling yourself and make it real. It's, it's Hmm. very dangerous because it leads to hurting a lot of people because you start thinking like, Oh, I'm, I'm better than them. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. And yeah. So, so people who don't know um, the sort of speaking out phenomenon, um, you know, obviously these, these events have been going for a long time, but um, the sort of whether it's speaking out or me too, this kind of stuff has come out in waves where people, you know, one person or a couple people share their story of being bullied or being abused or being sexually abused. And then more people, um, you know, after seeing those stories told, decide that they need to tell their stories too. So this is, this is coming out particularly in the world of wrestling right now. Is this, is it fair to say this has been over the past couple of weeks, this has begun growing and growing? It started last Thursday, and okay, I, the only so really the past I know week. that we we were recording our wrestling show that week, okay. so it was it wow, was yeah. a very big deal for us to have sure. to come on and be like, "We're a comedy show. How yeah, do we, we handle this?" Yeah, 
how do we talk about it? Um, but yeah, and then ever since it's come out more, and I think it's it's really shook and hurt the wrestling world because for a while we thought a lot like the steroid scandals and mm -hmm. wrestlers being addicts and stuff like that. Yep. A lot of that's been left in the past. If you yes. look at a lot of wrestlers now, they're nerds. Like one of my <laughs> one of my favorite wrestlers, his name's Xavier Woods. He has a he has a YouTube channel playing video games. He will talk to you about anime. There's a video of him online screaming on the Las Vegas strip about how good you 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 hawker show is. <laughs> Even like John Cena, biggest name in the business. That dude loves anime. I don't right. know why. But yeah, That's they're right. all nerds. So we kind of had a comfort for a while thinking, oh we're good now we're like good the culture has shifted these... right right yeah the culture has shifted and then it started coming out and it wasn't it was a lot of people who kind of surprised us guys like hmm. uh joey ryan who i i know i'm about to be saying a bunch of names that oh no go ahead yeah that's great. Uh, but joey ryan who was uh, a really big uh, benefactor towards the world of intergender wrestling because there are mm. women wrestlers who deserve to be on the exact same level if not higher than men wrestlers and joey was Absolutely. a big fighter for that and mm. then it came out that he did all of these assaults and it hurt uh same with this guy david Starr, who was another big fighter for independent wrestling and he was he was the first person to ever really rally behind the idea of starting a pro wrestling union. That way, mm. if you ended up getting injured or if some if a promoter tried to stiff you on money, you could go to the union and get money back. These were guys who it, it wasn't like on like, oh, yeah, that guy. I, I get this. It was people who were doing beneficial things. And I think that's what hurt so much was seeing these people who we had such admiration and such respect for destroy it. Like, I think just about every single name that came out, none of us were like, oh yeah, that makes sense. It was, oh mm. no. And that was the minute everyone in the wrestling industry as a whole realized we have to do something. We've got to have a big change. I mean, that's why in the world of pro wrestling, like I said, you get lost in a character. That's why I love guys with characters who are so violently over the top that you know they have to turn it off. There's a guy on the independent scene. His name's Warhorse. I love him to death. He paints his face somewhat like the Ultimate Warrior, but if Ultimate Warrior wasn't a terrible person, like yeah, paints sure. his face like that, and he will scream at the camera, and he'll talk about um, uh, Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and all that, and just to a point where it's like, I don't know how you talk for a minute without breaking your voice. And his character is so over the top that I'm like, okay, once he goes away, I know he's cool at home. I can tell he's not going to get lost. Easy to detach from that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why I think WWE is getting super dangerous because there are guys like uh, Charlotte Flair, daughter of Ric Flair, yep. mm -hmm. uh, Roman Reigns, and people like that who are coming out and saying, characters are over. There's no more characters in pro wrestling. And I'm like, mm. there, there needs to be. There needs to be, because it is a story at the end of the day. You need to have some mental faculty to be able to turn it off, to say that's one thing and I'm one thing, yeah, uh, really to separate yourself. Yeah, so, and I think as as we're talking about the the speaking out issue, or there's also this this issue of, of control and, and we could probably say patriarchy, right? Where, um, as you said, the um, male wrestlers are obviously held... Um, 
you know, is it safe to say above the female wrestlers, despite, you know, as you just said before, the fact that they, there are a lot of female wrestlers who could easily be a, as big if it's not a bigger draw in some cases. Um, so there's a situation where there's a power imbalance and especially yeah. people as, as a, you know, from what I've seen, you know, people coming up and you sort of talked about your own experience, sort of people who are just getting into the industry who are then taken advantage of. Right. Yeah, that and happens so, a lot. That's a, that's another yeah. one of those things that another one of those people that killed me was uh, Tessa Blanchard. There was no sex, sexual assault or anything like that. But Tessa is such a phenomenal wrestler that the company she works for, Impact, um, they were the first company ever to put their heavyweight championship on a female. Um, mm. There have been others in the past. Like I think Chikara did it with Princess Kimberly. And a few others have done it, but not on such a grand scale as they did right. with Tessa. And the day, the day they were going to put out, put the belt on Tessa, um, numerous tweets came out of her making some very problematic views, horrible jokes, stuff like that. And they still put the belt on her because it was a point of like, we're kind of damned if we do, damned if we don't. Right, right. But that was another one of those that it was like, you were doing so much and you've completely discounted everything that you've done because of your previous actions. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's, there's so much to this, but you know, before we started um, recording, we were talking about this sort of issue of control within the industry, right? Where yeah. if you are coming into the industry, you, whether you're, you're working under a trainer or whether you are working under someone like Vince McMahon, um, and you, you mentioned unions. I'm assuming that unions is not, by the way, you talked about it is actually not something that is the norm, no. right? It, it, right. it, it, it they don't exist. Right, um, exactly. even, even in WWE, the wrestlers on WWE are not contracted. They are, or they are, but they're independent contractors. They are not employees of WWE. Right. They are independent right. contractors. And because of that, WWE doesn't have to do things like give them healthcare. WWE has no loyalty to them, essentially. Um, I think AEW, which recently started up, they're, fen they're a phenomenal company from everything I've seen. They've had a few issues, but usually they're very good about if they have an issue, they immediately fix it. Like okay, yeah. if, if they do something problematic, they will quickly fix it and come out. But um, I think they will give, um, I think they give their wrestlers uh, health insurance. But like I, once again, it does go back to that element of control. And I feel like a lot of guys in WWE and health, maybe even AEW, they don't have the this is why i stopped training this is why hmm. i stopped wanting to be a wrestler is i realized the big lack of control a lot of guys have once they reach those bigger points like wwe and it's the fact that like you don't decide what your story is you don't right. decide what what story you to get to go out there and tell basically you they tell you what to do and you go do it and that's what scared me because i'm also a wrestling writer one of my shows is literally a pro wrestling audio drama where i oh, cool. write out full storylines yeah, and yeah. so the fact that i realized oh i'm just gonna be lumped in as just basically a puppet that messed with me that messed with me a lot and that's kind of one of the reasons I ended up quitting. Another one was the fact that my first day of training, they said, um, I, I, they said, you're not allowed to go to any shows. And I just oh, wow. moved to Orlando, Florida. I just moved to the hotspot where the place, uh, yeah. I think, 
WrestleMania was going to be in Orlando that year. Uh, NXT, which is WWE's developmental system, yep. probably the best product they put out. They all run around Orlando. And I said, I can't see the thing I love anymore because I'm on this other side of the curtain now. And mm-hmm. it's such a weird dichotomy now that it, it's not until you get to a major level that you can actually start going back to wrestling shows, and but you still have to go backstage. And that's kind of what right. messed with me is the fact yeah. that it's like you can't be a fan anymore is, is how it felt. Mm. Right. So this this control was taken away from you on so many different levels. And and to be clear, before I go into this, this is not excusing anyone's abusive behavior. But when people are when control is taken away from someone through one uh, situation or another, we look to gain control. We look to take control. We look to uh, achieve control in other areas of our lives. Right. Um, and yeah. unfortunately, that's shown up in things like addiction. That's shown up in things like steroids. You know how we treat our body. Um, you know, and unfortunately, in our relationships and, and in these wrestlers' relationships as well. And I think it's um, it's it's got to be difficult um, if we could try to um, just sort of zoom out to to you know, because to your point not only do you not have control over the story and literally what you're going to do for work, but you have to, I understand, you know, there's, there's no like seasons. This is a whole, all year round pretty much. Yeah. In fact, you're flying around, you're driving around all at the whim of your boss. Yeah. And in fact, a lot of people are like, you know, WWE didn't have many people come out during the speaking out and none of them got accused. I'm like, they don't have time to do anything bad. They will literally go home, see their kids for one day a week and then immediately fly to a different place that they're not familiar with. So they are probably they're the saddest ones to look at because there are a lot of I think they have over 100 wrestlers and only 30 CTV, but they still have to go. They still have to go yep. and chill out and just hope that they get put on TV. But wow, yeah. other than that, they're they're basically just getting flown around the country for, for no reason. But I, I think the lack of control is something, but I think it all does come back to old school pro wrestling guys like Ric Flair, who mm. uh, will go to any city in the world, sleep with anybody he wants and have a great time while he's there. And the most dangerous, one of the guys I talked about earlier, Joey Ryan issued quote-unquote apology and he goes after i got put, he had a good spot in a match get put on espn and he goes sure. after that i started living a rock and roll quote-unquote lifestyle and i'm like that's no excuse for what you did but i, I but at the end of the day i see what he was talking about he was like oh i i want to be like rick flair i want to be like the rock i want to be able to go to city city sleep with whoever i want do whatever i want and it doesn't matter because i'm out of that city the next day And I think having these people that you look up to that have had this kind of negative behavior in the past has made people think, oh, yeah, I can get away with this. I'm fine. But then if you look at the guys who actually probably could get away with it, like The Rock, they're perfect people. Not not perfect. Nobody's (laughs) perfect. Of course. But The Rock is like, I'm going to wake up at 4 a.m. every day. I'm going to go work out. I'm going to go film a movie. I'm going to go do this. And then I'm going to sing my daughter to sleep like The Rock is just a, a, a good dude all about. Yeah, so that's, I think you make a great point because there's also this sort of idolizing thing that's going on where we think that we think a certain way about somebody. So you use Ric Flair as an example. So he did these, you know, he he had a crazy successful career. He did whatever he want. And 
we don't really know or see the consequences of those actions. Yeah. And this is a social media issue too, where people sort of compare themselves or want to be like someone they are, are maybe somewhat familiar of, like they know their greatest hits, they know their most popular posts. And the someone like in the case of Ric Flair, they know their their career. But the stuff that you don't know is the stuff that's usually the most painful stuff, right? So yeah. then people go out there, you know, wanting to, you know, have this lifestyle, not knowing or not expecting or, or maybe not realizing the consequences of those actions, not just to them, but to the people around them. Yeah. I mean, I, I slipped into it, too. Like uh, last year is the earliest, not like to an assault or anything. I was already married, but like. Right, right. I remember going to different cities and doing podcast conventions and being like, oh, I'm here with all the nerds. I got to be the badass. So I'm going to show up hungover after partying after a long night and hanging out with people. And I'm going to be the cool guy. And I like that's how I when I had a day job, that's what I would do. I would come in and be like, hey, guys, I'm going to L.A. next week. No big deal. I've just got a big thing. Oh, hey, guys, I'm going to do an interview with Google or something like that. Yeah. And it lets you get that big ego. It lets you get yep. that really big head. And it once again, it does kind of come back to it helps you forget that you are a fallible human being with issues. And I think in pro wrestling, that's all those guys are trying to do in many cases is forget everything. So I think it does also come back to having a strong support group, having people around you who can remind you a, a bring you back to earth, but B also yeah. make you feel comfortable on earth when you get there. Yeah, and I'm reminded also of um, there was a big uh, sort of shift like this um, amongst stand-up comedy over the past week as well. Um, yep. Some accusations against some stand-up comics, um, people coming out about, um, uh, I think it was, is it Chris Delia? Delia? Uh, Chris, yeah, Chris Delia came out yeah. and my favorite tweet about it. And I know like you don't need to be the guy who's like, oh, I know this was an issue, but I knew I always knew like, right, whatever. We don't care. But my favorite was somebody who said, oh, I'm so shocked. Chris Delia did this. Chris Delia, the man who looks like the walking embodiment of sexual assault. Right. Right. But I think the one of the points that I saw made as that all that was going out was you know, it's great to have a good support system. It's great to have people who are going to be there to confront you. But you also, as, as we talk about, you know, sort of, you know, living up to these expectations is you also have to be that person for someone else. You know, I think, you know, there's been this conversation about, you know, really men having to hold other men accountable to the things that we see, um, the yeah. things that we hear. And, and think, holding uh, themselves accountable. Absolutely. Say, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and I think that's got to be an interesting aspect within the wrestling world as well, where, I don't know, I mean, it, it, would you say that it's easier to hold yourself accountable than it is to confront somebody else on these sorts of issues? I've always been a person who can't keep secrets, so it's easy for me okay. to hold myself accountable, but it does come back to that. It's easier to spot a stick in someone else's eye than notice the log in yours. It's right. a lot easier to go. Like uh, There was some person, I can't remember who they were. I think it was David Starr, and they, they wrote this whole thing about David and saying, like, I worked with him. I, I loved him so much, and they go, I right. loved you, David Starr. I hate you now. And someone in the sure. comments goes, hey, is this you? And then it was someone else calling out that guy, and I went, Oh, wow. Immediately yeah. taken down. And I, yeah. I, but I think at the end of the day, it does start need to start with you looking at yourself. Cause like with me, 
I I heard about all of it, and like many people said, why? Why would you do this? Um, you've got you've got all these fans that you're disappointing. At the end of the day, I, I kind of had to reshape fame in my head because I feel like a lot of people are like, fame means you can get away with anything. Fame means you're getting free mm. stuff. Fame means you're... I think fame means the exact opposite. It means you... It, now, it needs to be... You've got all these eyes on you. You need to be what they aspire to be. You need to be that highest level. And so for me, I I, I realized like, oh, I've had a predatory stance towards women in the past. And it did come from that uh, fame kind of mindset. It came from that mindset of like, oh, I need, I need this. I need to sleep with people. I need to do this in order to feel like I'm important. And once I realized that, I said, I can't just keep this in. I actually have to let people know. So that way, if they get in that mindset and realize it, I, I think the way I realized it was through Dan Harmon. Uh, mm. who it, he's one of my favorite writers. He wrote for Community, yeah, Community for right? Rick yeah, Morty. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, when he was on Community, had a uh, inappropriate inappropriate feelings towards a coworker. It yeah. got to kind of harassment levels, and he came out and he just did this ten minute talk about it, where he said, "I was thinking of women as lesser than me, and to me, it was offensive that anybody wouldn't want to get with me at that time." And that was the moment I went, oh, that's where I've been in the past. Men need, at this point, men, if they've ever felt this way, and I'm not saying every man has, but I know I've met many people who have definitely had this same mindset. I think as men right now, we need to all come out and say where we were, why we were in that mindset and think about it. That was the one thing Dan said is the fact that he yeah. was like, I could have, I, I did the bad thing, which was I kept ignoring these feelings. I kept shoving them down, going home. And uh, I think he was married. He was like, I would go home to my uh, girlfriend or wife and she would know, she would know that something was going on with me and this writer and was uh, luck he was lucky enough that she wouldn't call him out for it. But he goes, I should have thought. I should have thought about it. And now as I've grown up, that's kind of where I've gotten to when it comes to attraction to different people mm -hmm. is I have to think about it very quickly. And usually I can break it down insanely well. Uh, at one point, like someone when I had a, had a day job came in and I was like, wow, they're hot. And then I thought about it because I was with my wife at the time. And I'm like, why do mm. they, why do I think they're hot? Oh, because they're wearing red. That's your favorite color. Their shoulders are bare. You love bare shoulders. And they have a bit of an ass. Like I broke it down and it immediately took away anything. So like if you do feel any of these problems creep up in you, cut it off as fast as you can by just thinking about it and analyzing it. And I guarantee it will remove anything and it will help you learn about yourself. Right. So the capacity for self-awareness really reduces some of the ego, right? Because the ego is really a, a denial of wanting to face the the potential damage of us living into that mentality, right? Yeah. And it it, it gets like I, the example I gave was goofy, but like I've had other things like that with like friends where I'm like, why do I why do I feel like this towards them? And then it, it came back to it. I was like, oh, they make me feel important. They pay attention to me and they make me yep. feel important and they make me feel like not the asshole I know I am. And realizing that makes you instead of uh, trying to fix the problem outwardly through uh, cheating, whether that be through uh, sex or whatever, instead it helps you turn it in and realize the issues and approach them proactively.
Yeah. So for people who, as we talked about before, are sort of on that risk of going from, you know, trying to inflate their ego to get the job that they want or sort of be the confident person they want to be to prevent that from becoming that sort of crossing the line person. Um, it really takes, you know, not just the sort of social support that we talked about, but also the self-awareness to be able to say, hold on, um, you know, so we, we use wrestlers as an example. If I am out in, uh, you know, on stage in a ring being cheered on by thousands of people um, and I know that that feels good and then some, I, I'm interacting with someone who doesn't give me that validation and I react in rage or anger or an entitlement, like what's going on with that, right? Um, yeah. So I think you're, you're, you're making a great point that if people's capacity to practice the self-awareness and you've identified a lot of people who obviously have it, whether it's, you know, Roman Reigns or The Rock, um, where they can, you know, essentially make these adjustments before they um, really start experiencing the types of problems who are obviously identifying so many men, let's just say men, um, but also other, other you know, other, you know, I, I guess there have probably been women who have been accused of not so great behavior also, but um, we're, we're being honest, we're really focusing on the problematic behavior of men and, and everyone who's speaking out, right? Yeah. And I think it is an important conversation. Like for me, for the longest time, I had a trouble with, I had trouble with infidelity. Like until my current relationship, until I met my wife, I did not have a single relationship that I didn't cheat in. And mm. I, a majority of the women I ended up dating were in other relationships. So I was helping them be in like cheating. And I, I, once I met my wife and I was like, I love her and I don't want to mess this up. I've got to keep this right. How do I fix this? And so I had to look back at all those moments and realize like, oh, you you cheated with this person because, like I said, they made you feel sexy or something like that, sure. which is something I, I, I had never felt. I'd never got to feel that guy, of all, th that kind of way. I've always been the nerd. And then once I like lost weight and started like being jacked, I was like, oh, People can look at me like a sexual object. That's a nice feeling. So I had to look at stuff like that. I had to look at in cases of where women were coming to me cheating on their boyfriends in those moments, it was another feeling important. It was, I get to feel like the big knight. I get to feel yes. like the conquering hero who is saving them from a bad relationship. But I don't know what's happening in that relationship. I don't yeah. know what's going on between those people. I have one side of the story, but at the end of the day, it resulted in causing pain on someone else's part. In that case, a, a, a man, like it caused a pain sure. there. Yep. Uh, but like I said, it all comes down to insecurity. And I think pro wrestling is a world that is rampant with people who are very insecure. And like I said, that's kind of where I fell in. I was yeah. very insecure and I fell in love with this world that helped my ego kind of get inflated. And I think there are a lot of guys that come into that world wanting to have that inflated ego, to have the world chanting their name. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you put it that way, it starts to all click into place of, well, of course, you know, if you're going out however many nights a week, you know, having people chanting your name and telling you you're awesome and, you know, even if you had to kind of build that character from something uh, from an insecure place, it's very easy to then believe that. Right. Yeah. You're being told that you are the best and you you are, you know, a champion. You're entitled to, to everything that you want. 
Yeah, so and, flipping and I, that switch is not a natural thing. And I also think it also plays into the world of pro wrestling, which is uh, someone described it to me the other day. Uh, and one of my other favorite shows we talked about was RuPaul's Drag Race. And sure. they said, the reason why you like Drag Race is the same reason you like pro wrestling. Because Drag Race is the ultimate exaggerated form of femininity. Pro wrestling is the ultimate exaggerated form of masculinity. Oh, yeah, sure. I can see um, that. And so for me, I, I think it is a dangerous world because a lot of them forget it's a job for a lot of guys. And for me, for a while, it was like, this is my life. I will eat, sleep, breathe, pro wrestling, and this is all I am. And that's what leads to the negative thinking. That's what leads to the dangerous behavior. Yeah. Like you said, if somebody thinks you're not awesome or if you watch one of your matches online and you see a negative comment. But at the end yep. of the day, it is still a job and it's only a small part of your life. And I think a lot of those guys forget that um, to a point where, uh, like you said, people are telling you the best all the time, but I don't see many people who are the best Subway sandwich sandwich <laughs> artists having these accusations so i think it is also just the world of pro wrestling as a whole yeah. needs to have some changes just at the base level right we we need more edges who are able to just kind of be i don't forget i forget his name is it alex or adam adam cope adam yeah adam so we we need more adams right who and i think frankly probably also need um the the culture shift of it being not just uh, okay, but important for them to be Adam, you know, after the show's over. Right. I, yeah. I, I think sometimes about, um, I do, I do improv. I think you said you, you do some, some improv or you do some comedy stuff as well. Right. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So I think about all the different characters you come up with on the spot and you live in that character for, you know, five to 30 minutes if you're doing long form. Um, and I, I think about it and I'm like, Oh yeah, it, the part that feels great about that is that I'm done with that character as soon as that's over with, and I don't have to, you know, sign autographs as that person afterwards. I don't have to stay that person if when fans come. Not that I have fans, but you know what I mean. Like that, that acting gets to finish, and I always get the sense with wrestling is that they don't get to finish acting. Yeah, like like I said, there are a lot of guys who will go out and keep the exact same character, not yes. sign autographs for people, yeah. yell at kids. Like it, it's, it's a lot. And a lot of them don't know when to turn it off. Cause they like being in that character. They like, right. well, what awesome. does it say about uh, as, as us as fans, that that is sort of something that we are also supporting and excited about. Like if you ran into, um, you know, whatever. I think I've seen a lot of stuff from um, from Stone Cold Steve Austin on like Instagram recently where people are reacting to him being, you know, supportive of, you know, wearing a mask or supportive of Black Lives Matter. And it's like, whoa, hold on. That's not who I thought you were. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, yeah, no, that's that's just a character. Yeah. He's I, I I wish I could remember Stone Cold's actual name, but I can't off the top of my head. But yeah, I mean, it, and it all does. It's come not back Steve to Austin. <laughs> surprisingly no his yeah, actual I'm sure name it's is, not yeah yeah i think it's steve williams and then sure, at okay. one point he got moved to some company in texas where they uh, were sure. they had dr death steve williams and they said you can't be steve williams anymore so he took steve austin from the uh six million dollar man i okay. got some wrestling history in <laughs> there right, i there knew i'd go. do it <laughs> yeah so i just and and 
and he has been great. I mean, he's is sort of right back, you know, confronting those people who are expecting him to hold these other beliefs of whoever they thought his character was. And yeah. I think obviously there's some there's some healthy separation there. Um, and, and I maybe think that's part also, of it too. And I think it also comes down to some of the guys that I genuinely think are role models in wrestling. Yeah, they expand beyond just pro wrestling stone cold right. has a podcast beyond the character yeah, yeah, the, yeah the rock does all this stuff john cena of does course. all the movies in hollywood the miz has a reality tv show that i'll be honest might be the bravest thing for a guy like him who has this mm. very egotistical character right. to do <laughs> is to come out and be like i'm actually a nerdy dad who makes bad dad jokes all the time like it's a yeah. great it's a great humbling is to be reminded that's not everything you are Okay, so I think we landed on a great sort of piece of advice for people um, as we kind of wrap up today's episode, and that is that sort of diversification is so important, right? That you talked about your story of, you know, um, that ego inflation, and that if, let's say, you had also, and it's not like you were doing it in pieces, you know, also doing theater here and there, taking small parts, also interested in, in other stuff where you know, either it didn't matter or you were not actually awesome in that other area. That diversification provided you some of that balance that was important in preventing your ego from getting out of control, even if it did at times. Yeah. And it, it's something I still kind of deal with to this day. Like I think having seven different podcasts helped because it helped diversify me. But when I first started out, it was just a load of BS, which has actually luckily evolved to be a very good show. But the beginning it was two white guys talking and thinking that's all people want to hear. And that's where we started at. And um, like 90% of podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. But luckily we evolved and became like a long form show, but in the beginning, and this is something I still had trouble with. It was, we're going to come on. We're going to like talk about fun times. We got drunk that week and basically have drunk conversations and be a couple booze boys that bled into my real life. Because then I would start drinking all the time because at that point in my life, uh, I had just given up this like long dream of being a pro wrestler. So I was searching for any new form of identity. And so I found that show and I said, oh, this is who I am now. Now I'm the crazy guy who drinks a lot and parties. Mm. And that led me down very bad paths. Like you need yeah. to diversify not just uh, what you do, but your personality if that makes yeah. sense because i'm a no it totally I am a, yeah I'm a, I'm a different person here talking to you than i'm about to be in 30 minutes when i go record <laughs> yeah. a load of bs i'm of gonna be course. a different person when i record uh, me again later i'm gonna be a different person when i talk to my parents and having that diversification confuses a little bit in the beginning it's confusing because it's a real wait who am i actually mm. but then you get to fuse it all together and realize, no, I'm, I'm all of those things. I'm all those things put together into one body. Yeah. And that you can be the awesome person and you can be the vulnerable, weak, um, fragile person sometimes also not, I shouldn't even say fragile weak, but because vulnerability, I always look at as a strength, our capacity to, as you've done today on the show, which I'm very grateful for, you know, just sort of be honest about your feelings and your experiences. I think a lot of people experience that as some sort of, uh, weakness but i certainly think much the opposite yeah in, in all honesty the e- when uh, scotty ego still does happen scotty ego still comes out but i i try to control when i want it to happen as opposed there to in go. the past where i let it control me is where i'm at 
Fantastic. So, you know, if we could kind of summarize what we're, what we're talking about here today that, yeah, there's a lot of benefit from, you know, seeing yourself as the Miz, right. As being able to live into that, you know, most intense, extreme, uh, awesome version of yourself, but that it's also important that you check that awesomeness that we know that it's, it's okay if we're not always awesome or, when we find ourselves not being awesome, that we have that sort of support system to lean on to kind of get back us, get us back to some sense of balance. Yeah. I, and I like, I, I, and usually if you don't check it, life will check it for you. For instance, yeah. like, well, I'll, right, right. Like last, and, and, uh, last September we were hanging out at dragon con. It was our first live show for a load of BS. So we were all kind awesome. of pumped up. We're all excited. We went to this exclusive fancy bar where they were like, I think they said the actors for the walking dead were there. Sure. We were, we were drinking with Chewbacca and BB eight, like literally <laughs> the actors from star Wars. Nice. And I, at that point, Scotty ego came out. He hung out. He went to like, went to groups of people he didn't even know and in that moment it was good because i got to connect with a lot of people and i didn't have to worry about like are they gonna like me is this okay so in those cases the ego is good but like i said left unchecked life will check it for you as evidenced by the worst hangover ever that happened the next day okay there you go yeah and and also for us to be you know our are our most assertive, aggressive when necessary confronters of other people's egos, right? That, yes. you know, unfortunately people's egos do get out of control and bad behavior does happen. And it's on all of us to hold each other accountable for that behavior. Um, because otherwise these it... things that we hold important don't deserve to continue in the way that they exist. Yeah, I think it boils down to know what you want and know what you deserve and go Mm. with it as much gusto as you can. But the minute that starts hurting somebody else, you're out. Don't do it. Or or the minute somebody says no, right? I mean, I think a a lot of this is, is respecting where you end and where somebody else begins. Yeah, exactly. Whereas like when, like like I said, in college, sleeping with random people. With me, that wasn't, two people that was me achieving a goal taking that what you was wanted. it yeah, 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 yeah yeah exactly and you got to remember other people are other people are other people and too yeah. many people forget that yeah and and if whether it's by creating unions or you know more accountability amongst uh wrestlers or any any frankly groups of people you know that's how we get to a place where we can all ultimately be successful in these uh endeavors that we all love so yeah. Yeah. It's, there's, there's no one easy solution, but it's going to take all of us to, to get these things that we, that we, you know, fan over to be the best versions of themselves. Yeah. It comes down to like, know, and it sounds weird to be like, know your place, but like, sure. know what you can do, know what you can do well, and don't take anybody else's spot and don't take anybody else's joy. Like, I've had numerous ideas for podcasts that I was like, I could do that. That'd be great. And then mm. thought about it and realized, that's not my show. That show belongs to somebody. There you go. Somebody yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So in that case, amplifying other people's voices, you know, as, as the speaking out movement is happening now, um, we want people to go read those stories, go search that Twitter uh, hashtag and find out what's happening, that those people deserve to be heard now um, because yeah. they, they weren't listened to before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, hey, Scotty, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was great. Um, 
you know, we didn't delve into one uh, like specific show or event or movie, but I, I frankly, I love um, broad ranging conversations as well. So I hope to be able to do more stuff like this. Where can people find you or what would you like to plug and, and, and how can people see what you'd like to plug? Well, uh, since we're talking wrestling, one, you can find yeah. all my shows at a load of purebs.com. But if you're here and you like wrestling, uh, check out Fight Boys. That's our wrestling discussion show. Or if you like wrestling but just don't want to watch it, you just want to listen to it, check out JWF Monday Night Ignition. We've been telling our own basic, uh, basically audio drama of pro wrestling for the past three years. It's finally on its own show, on its own RSS feed. And I'm so insanely proud of it. It's probably my favorite thing I've ever gotten to do. Well, congratulations and, and good luck on achieving a world record. Um, oh, yeah. Have, uh, by the way, a small if, part you, about it. <laughs> if you want me on your podcast at Scotty Mo on Twitter, DM me S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O is where I'm at. There you go. So so look for Scotty on Twitter. Follow his attempt to break the world record and good luck. And Scotty, again, thanks so much for coming on the show. And good luck getting some sleep, I hope, amongst all these other things that you're doing. I'll be fine. It's all right. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. Have a good one.